By downloading or listening to this podcast, you are agreeing to Moody's legal terms and conditions found at moody's.com slash disclaimer, including that the information provided is not investment or financial advice, and that Moody's will not be liable for losses arising from your use of the information. Housing markets have been on a wild ride over the past two years. Of late, interest rate hikes in many regions have thrown cold water on home price growth to some extent, but even where prices have started to decline, affordability remains strained. This all has implications for mortgage-backed securities, particularly for transactions backed by mortgages originated in the past year when home prices were peaking. I'm Aaron Johnson, and this is Moody's Talks Securitization Spotlight. In today's episode, we'll take you on a trip around the world to meet with our housing experts, Rodrigo Conde Puentes in Madrid, Sunny Wang in the U.S., and Ilya Serov in Sydney. But before we get started, I'd like to encourage our listeners, if you have not already, to subscribe to Securitization Spotlight and to also check out some of our other monthly podcasts like Focus on Finance, which brings you the insight you need to keep on top of developments within the banking, insurance, and asset management sectors. With that, let's get started. Rodrigo, Ilya, Sunny, thanks for joining me this month. Rodrigo, let's start in Europe. Can you give us a quick overview of what's going on in the housing market out there? Well, during the recent months, we have seen increasing risk of housing downturn in Europe. This is mainly following the economic slowdown and the rapid increase in interest rates. Mortgage rates have increased in Europe after decades of historical lows. Uh, they have more than doubled since 2021, especially in some countries like UK, Germany and Portugal. And this actually affects different each country depending on how many fixed rate loans or floating rate mortgages we have in each market. Um, and now up until this summer, really, home prices had been just on the rise, right? Yes, that was actually the case until uh, the end of the summer. We have seen slowdown generally across Europe, but specifically we've seen significant declines in Sweden. Also, the UK have started to decline in October, where the first month-over-month decline that we've seen in more than a year. Got it. So, so right now, it looks like it's mostly slowing growth across Europe with some areas that we are seeing declines. Exactly. That's exactly the case. It's, it's mainly a slowdown across entire Europe. Got it. Okay. Now, Sunny, um, in the US here, is it a similar story? I know that we've started to see the, the housing market come down price-wise. Yes, Aaron. Um, it is a similar story. In the U.S., mortgage rates have been rising rapidly since the first quarter of 2022 compared to last year. So now mortgage rate is now hovering around high 6% to 7% for 30-year fixed rate mortgages, which is more than double from the low rate that we saw last year. The high mortgage rate is impacting affordability as we observe upticks in borrowed debt-to-income ratio. Now, the higher mortgage rate is having an impact on home prices, where home price growth has slowed down and some MSAs are experiencing a significant run-up in price, there is moderate housing price decline. Now, if the economy deteriorates such that we go into a recession, the housing price decline can certainly become more significant. Ilya, it's a little more complicated in the Asia-Pacific region where you're at. So let's focus on a few countries in particular, starting with China. What have mortgage rates done out there? In China, um, 
what's really been happening is that um, slowly the economic forecasts have been ad getting adjusted downward. We've just adjusted our economic forecast recently again. In part, that reflects what's happening in the property market and the downturn uh, that we're seeing there. Home prices have been falling. The authorities have been having to take measures to mitigate the effects of the downturn or the stress that's possible in the property market with measures to ease borrowing costs and also to improve credit availability. And are mortgage rates also rising there like they are in the rest of the world? Yeah, mortgage rates in um, China fairly stable. Um, year to date, they, they've in fact declined marginally, but we will say they're steady overall. Got it. And then there's two other markets that we're going to talk about in APEC. That's Japan and Australia. Why don't you fill us in on Australia next? Australia is perhaps the closest comparable to what's happening in Europe. And yes, mortgage rates have been moving up quite rapidly over the recent months. Um, house prices have started to adjust as well, uh, particularly in the major cities of Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, in Sydney, we're already seeing prices are down 10, 11% from peak. Of course, this adjustment uh, is following a very large run-up in Australian home prices during the pandemic, and prices are still up from the pre-COVID period, but we're in an adjustment phase here. Okay, so that, that does sound like a lot of the Western markets too. Yes, there's perhaps the caveat that you're not seeing quite as much stress coming out of um, the energy markets that we're seeing in uh, Europe. Uh, so we're not uh, seeing quite as high an inflation rate or quite as high a, a quick a run-up in mortgage rates, but quite similar overall. Got it. Another interesting situation that we wanted to touch on out of APAC is Japan, where home prices are still rising. Correct. Um, Japan is quite different. Monetary policy is still somewhat accommodative. The economy contracted in the most recent quarter and home prices are still rising year and year in Japan. The Bank of Japan is still committed to supporting the economy as, as it goes through its own adjustments. So we're expecting house prices to continue to either be steady or uh, even particularly uh, potentially rising a little bit. Okay, thanks. Um, while I'm talking to you, let's move on to performance, um, starting with APAC. Um, mortgages are primarily a fixed rate product in many markets, um, so that inherently provides some protection against rising rates. Is that the same story out there? No, if you take Australia, for example, it's a, it's a variable market predominantly, uh, which is why we have quite a bit of exposure to those rising rates. No doubt uh, some pressure will emerge actually next year as the impact of rate rises makes its way through the system. That said, in Australia, current arrears rates for mortgages are at multi-decade lows. The household savings and other balance sheet buffers, prepayments or mortgages, for example, are quite material. Uh, so we expect that we'll directionally go up in terms of arrears rates, uh, but the impact will be moderate overall. All right. Well, what about in China, where it's a bit different of a, a economic scenario? So in China... Mortgage arrears rates remain sound. Um, cumulative default rates are still steady, uh, below 1% for all of the different vintages that we monitor. Um, there are some risks um, arising from the recent mortgage boycotts on unfinished properties in particular. And we already mentioned the overall weak property market. But again, we expect the impact to be fairly limited. Loan-to-value ratios in China are quite low at around 50% on average. So that mitigates a lot of our concerns. And that unfinished property story is quite small in the portfolio that we monitor. 
so overall, we think that it's not going to have a, a um, pronounced impact. And, and in Japan, where, where home prices are rising, is performance still strong as well? Yes, performance is also quite strong. Yeah, so Asia is quite consistent in that. Uh, the story in Japan is different in that the debt to income ratios are increasing as home prices are, are rising. So it's a story of potential risk if rates do start to rise in Japan at some point. But even then, again, we, we think that borrowers are well-placed. Lenders typically screen borrowers at much higher rates than the actual prevailing at the moment. And again, uh, Japanese borrowers also have quite a bit of savings. So we think that even in that scenario of rising rates, delinquency rates in RMBS will increase on this slide. Okay, interesting. Rodrigo, how have underwriters responded in Europe? Are they remaining prudent? Are we still seeing relatively strong mortgage borrower credit quality? Uh, I think in general, the, the answer is yes. Uh, we have seen some mild exemptions. Some uh, The regulator in Ireland, for example, has relaxed some of the underwriting criteria. So we expect banks potentially to follow that. But in general, majority of the country has either remained with the same criteria or even naturally tighten that because given interest rates increases, loan affordability is a little bit more stretched and that is putting some borrowers out of the market. Got it. That's helpful. We've touched on uh, some housing market fundamentals. What about performance? How are we seeing mortgage borrowers cope with kind of general inflation? Are, is, are they still able to make their mortgage payments? Sonny, why don't we start with you? Well, today, collateral performance remained broadly steady across the uh, U.S. RMBS sector with respect to delinquencies and losses. Performance is also pretty steady for riskier, non-QM uh, type of uh, collateral. But with higher interest rates, uh, prepayments have certainly slowed down. No doubt, there could be some headwinds for RMBS if uh, rising rates and persistent inflation push us into a recession and drives up unemployment rate. Although going forward, prepayments will continue to slow and the buildup of credit enhancement in U.S. RMBS will slow down. Existing RMBS is still well positioned because of the fast prepayments RMBS has experienced in prior years. The run up in the housing price for the past several years is also another positive. Since RMBS is predominantly fixed rate collateral, rising rates would not have an impact on existing deals, but certainly would have impact uh, on future RMBS deals. Post-financial crisis, the lender underwriting standards have remained pretty consistent. Turning to you in Europe again, Rodrigo, how are borrowers coping? Are they making their payments still? So far, it's a similar story. Performance is relatively strong here. I think the, the macroprudential rules, the underwriting, tight underwriting criteria is and the stress testing that has been applied to this borrower time of origination is kind of still showing some sort of cushion and we've seen performance pretty much stable here. Another thing to notice is that there are significant increases or there have been significant increases in price to rent and price to income ratio. So we are seeing a tightening in borrower affordability, especially for new joiners or first-time buyers in the market. So I'd like us to focus in on a specific market real quick um, of particular interest, and that's the UK. We've written a few pieces about the unique situation there, given the diversity of mortgage products they have, um, more akin to what we have in the U.S. as far as non-prime, prime, et cetera. Um, can you tell us about what's unfolding there? 
Yeah, the UK is one of the most interesting markets at this moment in Europe. There are a couple of reasons for that. Uh, the first one, as you correctly pointed out, Aaron, the inflation and the rising interest rate has been more aggressive in the UK than in other countries in Europe. And also the spectrum of borrowers that we've seen in the UK and we see typically getting mortgage in the UK is broader than in other jurisdictions. Like you could see, say, France, Spain or any other part where it's mainly comprised of prime borrowers. So these borrowers are more affected by the current situation of increasing interest rate and inflation. On top of that, the UK and also Sweden as well are more exposed to short-term fixed interest rate. And therefore, the impact of this increasing interest rate is more notorious in this market. And when you say more exposed to fixed interest rates, all you mean is there's more fixed rate products um, to, to mortgage borrowers out there. Correct. Typically in the UK, we see mortgages being between three and five years fixed and then switching to floating. Uh, in Sweden, majority of the market is fixed, but very short term fixed. So these loans, as they end up their fixed rate period and reset, they are going to reset to much higher levels and clearly cause some sort of affordability issues in the UK in particular. Okay, thanks, Rodrigo. One more point about the UK I wanted to check in on is the situation with buy-to-let loans. We recently outlined some of the risks associated with those loans. And, and like you mentioned, one of the one feature of those, those products is, a, is the fixed period following by the conversion to floating. Yeah, that, that, that's correct. And I think that the main issue we're starting to, to see ahead is the possibility or the ability of these loans to actually refinance in the future. The main issue we're seeing here is that with the increasing interest rates, the interest cover ratio of these loans are starting to become stretched. This is regulated. So there is a minimum threshold of interest cover ratio that these loans need to have in order to get a new mortgage. So we're coming to some point where potentially a lot of these borrowers will not be able to get a new mortgage at a fixed interest rate, but we have to actually remain in the floating one. This could be mitigated by several factors, if you think about. Uh, one of that could be potentially increase in rents if this can be passed on into tenants. And also is the low LTV, because we've seen so far a big appreciation of house prices in the UK in the recent years could help potentially mitigate potential losses on these loans if they come to materialize. And just to put it bluntly, the, the point we're getting to here is once that fixed rate period ends that has been protecting them against rate increases and it kicks into a variable rate, that, that, uh, that really increases the chances of default because their costs go up, right? That's exactly what we're saying. When they're out of this teaser rate period of fixed rate loans, they will have to actually face an interest rate that might be between two and three times higher what they were paying. Okay. Thanks for that little um, spotlight on the UK, Rodrigo. Um, and I want to touch on a, a more fundamental point that cuts across regions, really, as we see prices drop. And that is that newer mortgages, which have not had the time to benefit from the run-up in prices and thus have not had a chance to build equity or, or, or pay down in this kind of the bull market for housing, they're more at risk as home prices fall. Um, Sonny, could you talk about that dynamic in the U.S., please? Sure. So there's certainly a uh, greater risk uh, for newly originated RMBS backed by new loans where properties were purchased at the peak of the housing market with higher interest rate, especially loans with higher LTVs. 
The mitigants that securitized loans, LTVs, are generally below 80%, which does provide some cushion for any housing price drop. Now, collateral quality of RMBS have generally remained consistent. The high quality of the collateral will also help performance. Also, as I alluded to earlier, we did not observe any material deterioration in underwriting standards in spite of higher interest rate. So I think all these factors will contribute to better performance in RMBS in spite of uh, the current environment. And Rodrigo, in, in Europe, we recently did some scenario analysis. Can you talk a little bit about what we figured out in terms of the extent to which home prices would have to drop to affect RMBS? Yeah, so we did, as, as you correctly mentioned, Aaron, we did stress test analysis. One of the key findings of this stress test analysis was that the risk is actually concentrated in the last two years of origination, so 2020 and 2021, with older vintages being more isolated from potential losses. And I think a key point also to kind of highlight here is that, for example, particularly in France, uh, France mortgages that have higher leverage, uh, potentially 49% of the 2021 vintage in our RMBS portfolios would migrate to some sort of negative equity if nominal home prices fall by around 15%. This is largely a result of high concentrations in and around Paris uh, among the portfolios uh, that are being securitized. And to be clear, we're not saying we think home prices are going to fall by 15%. That's just kind of a downside scenario we stress these bonds to. Exactly. We're, th- th- that's not our expectations. But if that scenario were to happen, we're starting to we're seeing what the results would be. And again, if that happens, majority of the risk is concentrated in recent vintages. Got it. Thanks, Rodrigo. Last question before we take off. We've been talking about a lot of the negatives in, in performance expectations. I do want to touch on some of the inherent mitigants that RMBS incorporate to protect against downturns or home price drops. Sonny, why don't you kick us off here again to talk about that? Sure. First of all, I want to stress that uh, certainly there's a headwind uh, for RMBS, but RMBS performance is not expected to be anything like what happened during the financial crisis and for a number of reasons. First of all, the quality of mortgages originated is of high quality and have been generally consistent. Secondly, unlike pre-crisis loans where uh, the loans were poorly underwritten, we did not observe material deterioration in underwriting standards. Also, a lot of existing RMBS deals have deleveraged due to past high prepayments, leading to a buildup in credit support. And lastly, housing price appreciation has certainly benefited existing borrowers. So the lower LTVs will mitigate default risk. So uh, I would say the RMBS uh, is uh, pretty well positioned uh, to, uh, uh, to withstand that kind of headwind going forward. Also, I think a, a key point is in Europe, we're seeing a similar situation. Uh, residential mortgage loss given defaults, even under some stress scenarios, uh, tend to be lower than in other loan classes. For example, even in recent stress test scenario that I was just mentioning, most of UK and Irish portfolios are insulated from significant losses, even if from home prices fall by 15%. And that's mainly because we've seen so much house price appreciation in recent years that they are becoming somewhat isolated from a potential house price drop of around 15%. 
Okay, thanks, Sonny and Rodrigo. Before we take off, I do want to check in with Ilya again and see how RMBS performance in the APAC region compares to the Western markets. So what we've observed across Asia is that RMBS performance in terms of ratings has been very strong, in fact. Uh, we've had a lot of upgrades uh, in the recent past, particularly coming out of Australia and particularly of the, out of the non-bank RMBS sector. What really drives that is that even if delinquencies are going up now, they still remain low by historical standards and losses are minimal. And on the other hand, credit enhancement levels build up fairly quickly in the deals we're monitoring. There's a lot of prepayment. And the end result of that is that RMBS has been well insulated from, from the economic stresses that we see in build up. Thanks, everybody, for that important analysis on uh, one of the bigger markets in the world. And Rodrigo, Ilya, Sonny, thanks for joining. And to our listeners, a reminder to subscribe and pass us along to your friends and coworkers. We look forward to having you back for next month's edition of Securitization Spotlight. Thanks for listening to this Moody's Talks podcast. To find out more about the topics discussed, please follow the links in the show notes. You can check out other Moody's Talks podcasts by visiting moody's.com slash podcasts.